Blog Talk Radio. We believe in the American way, and we built this country called the USA, and we fly our flag because we're proud and free, we're Americans. Red, white, and blue is our way of life. Never back down from a challenge or a fight. Nation provides, God gives the rights, we're Americans. Make up America, but it's amazing America. Welcome, patriots, to our Convention of States podcast, titled, That Provident Article, a reference given to Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution by James Madison. Our opening theme music is Amazing America, used by permission of Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band and endorsers of the Convention of States project. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the U.S. Constitution, the amending provision with a general view on the phrase Convention for Proposing Amendments and specific focus on the Convention of States Project. For more information regarding the Convention of States Project, please visit www.conventionofstates.com. My name is Paul Hodson, and I've been a volunteer with the Convention of States Project in Texas since early 2014. Our goal is to continually educate ourselves on Article 5, to bring timely information relating to the Convention of States Article 5 movement and to promote the use of Article 5 to rein in our federal government. Our contact information here at That Provident Article, my email address, texasdc for hd 58 at gmail.com. That's Texas, D is in district, C is in captain, the number 4, H is in house, D is in district, the number 5, the number 8, at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is the same, at TexasDC for HD58. You can go to our Blog Talk Radio website, blogtalkradio.com, TexasDC for HD58. And we're on iTunes now. You can search for that Provident article and you'll find us out on iTunes. Uh, a reminder, our call-in number for the call-in portion of the show, 914-205-5632. We're an amazing America. Welcome, welcome to the Convention of States podcast, that Provident article for October 17th. Let's begin with our news cycle. Again, I invite you to look at the Convention of States website and pull down the news. There are articles posted pretty much every day there. We're going to start off from the bottom up from this past week. Bureaucrats Gone Wild by Scott Rasmussen, uh, Rasmussen, who founded ESPN and, of course, is now famous for doing a lot of polls, and he writes in this article, 95% of laws are now written by bureaucrats, and that includes a new one out, which was revealed this week, 70,000 ways in which we can die. And, of course, by describing all of these methods in which we can die, the government is, in effect, giving all kinds of information to the various insurance groups and hospitals, doctors, of the different means in which they need to adhere to, different regulations which can now apply, all of these bureaucracies which are unchecked, unchecked by our uh, legislators who are supposed to do that job, 
Bureaucrats Gone Wild, Scott Rasmussen. Another story, the EPA, probably the most abusive agency in the entire government. They have a $160 million PR machine since the early 2000s. They've spent $160 million of our tax dollars just on public relations. They are an incredibly abusive agency and, again, another reason in which the Convention of States and an amendment which can limit the power and the authority of the Commerce Clause in which that abuse is really being put to use through the EPA. Our federal tax code and regulations now exceeds 10 million words. 10 million words. No wonder we have difficulty doing our taxes, figuring out how much we owe. Since 1955, when I believe it was at 1.4 million words, we're now at 10 million words in our federal tax code and our regulations. Again, all those regulations done by agencies, not under the guise of our Congress. This past week in Pittsburgh, or in Pennsylvania, President Obama asserted that the VA wait times now averaged, quote, just a few days, unquote. Well, Concerned Veterans for America dispute this assertion, and actually it's getting worse and worse in the VA, even with all that oversight, even with the big blow-up uh, almost two years ago on the VA wait times and the uh, veterans dying. Uh, that is not true. And again, another uh, example of government not paying attention, of government uh, just saying what they wish. Here's what we say it is, how things are are working, and yet that's not actually the case. Here in Texas, a federal land grab is, is in process. The Federal Bureau of Land Management, some of you may remember that uh, land grab that they were trying to do in Nevada several years ago. It looks like they're trying to do the same thing here to a, a ranch land here in Texas, and we're going to keep a close eye on that and see what happens here in Texas ruling that somebody's land in the deed which was handed over was not properly done, and so it's not really his land, and so they're just going to come in and take it. And again, we will keep our eyes on that here in Texas. And Chapman University had a survey. Surveys are a big deal, uh, you know, and we've talked about the Gallup poll, and there's another article also this week concerning the Gallup poll and different things, but the Chapman University survey reveals Americans' biggest fear not terrorism, it's not collapse of the economy, 58% in their survey are afraid or very afraid of the corruption of government officials. That's the number one fear of Americans. And finally, for the news this week, wages and salaries grew at a paltry two-tenths of a percent in the second quarter of 2015. That's the worst in 33 years. The economy is not growing. Jobs are not uh, increasing workers' salaries. A lot of people are not even able to get jobs. And as one person said in this article, all the regulations, the laws, uh, the constraints upon businesses are bringing about this paltry growth in our wages and salaries and in an extended, extended recession in our nation. And on that cheery note, we're going to go ahead and begin our presentation Again, we're going to be looking at James Madison's view on the phrase convention uh, for proposing amendments. 
First of all, we begin here slide one in our presentation. As always, uh, the pertinent issues with Article 5, the Congress, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments which shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. And our application from the Convention of States reads the legislature of the state of fill-in-the-blank hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of a convention of the states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. Slide 3, again, the context of these presentations, we are just trying to build footholds, handholds as we climb that rock wall, as we attempt to give you the tools you need to answer opposition to Article 5. A review of uh, what we covered last week, specifically with the Aliens and Sedition Acts of 1798, the focal point of those acts is John Adams, who was the second president of the United States. He was one of the Sons of Liberty in the Revolution, along with his cousin Samuel Adams in Boston and then throughout the Revolutionary time, a leader. So he certainly understood the, uh, the rebellion against a tyrannical government. Of course, France was one of those who aided us uh, significantly in the Revolution, after the revolution was over in 1781, there was a treaty finally signed in 1783, the Treaty of Paris, Great Britain, France, and the U.S. And France and Great Britain had been having, uh, of course, war for quite a while and great tension there. And the French Revolution begins in 1789, lasts for about 10 years through 1799. The United States officially attempts to stay neutral through President George Washington but it appears that we are going to be drawn in. The tensions increase by 1798. President Adams is anticipating getting involved in with the French in a war. The, the Who were the Federalists at that time, the strong Federalists, were also anticipating war. Uh, amazingly, they were now starting to tend toward, toward a more powerful centralized government, and they passed the Alien and Sedition Acts. These were uh, part of the tensions were raised by the uh, XYZ affair, the diplomats who were sent over to France, and of course the, the bribery that was attempted by the French through diplomatic relations, just the chance to even talk and speak with these diplomats. Bribery was involved. The United States was not a player, different moral code in the States, and this became public knowledge and the populace was very uh, concerned and, as we said, tension. And in June and July of 1798, the Congress passed a series of acts, the Alien and Sedition Actions. In short, they granted the president authority to apprehend and deport all such, quote, all such aliens as he shall, shall judge dangerous, unquote. And the Sedition Act specifically prohibited the, quote, publishing any false scandalous and malicious writing or writings against the government of the United States, unquote. So that's the review, and first we're going to look at 
and mostly at Madison, because that's what we're concentrating on here, the Virginia Resolution in 1798. Madison in Virginia wrote this. We have a couple of things here on slide number five. Quote, that this assembly doth explicitly and peremptorily declare that it views the powers of the federal government as resulting from the compact, compact meaning the Constitution, to which the states are parties, as limited by the plain sense and intention of the instrument constituting the compact, as no further valid that they are authorized by the grants enumerated in that compact, and that in case of a deliberate, palpable, and dangerous exercise of other powers not granted by the said compact, the states who are parties thereto have the right and are in duty bound to interpose for arresting the progress of the evil and for maintaining within their respective limits the authorities, rights, and liberties appertaining to them. Unquote. Again, this is where Madison has introduced the idea of interposition of the states in this phrase in the Virginia Resolution. Another phrase in this resolution states, the necessary and proper measures will be taken by each, referencing all the other states, for, cooper for cooperating with this state in maintaining the authorities, rights, and liberties referred to the states respectively, or to the people, unquote. And Madison was specifically appealing, if you read this resolution, I've given the attribution at the end of these slides, it's actually fairly short, he appeals at the end to, quote, to the like dispositions of the other states, unquote. He expects the other states to join in. An accompanying and a companion resolution or series of resolutions, slide six, the Kentucky resolutions, written by Thomas Jefferson, although that was kept secret for quite a while as to who the author was. But let's look at a couple of lines from these. These are, are a little more forceful. Quote, that whensoever the general government assumes undelegated powers, its acts are unauthoritative, void, and of no force. Unquote. And another one. Quote, Where powers are assumed which have not been delegated, a nullification of the act is the rightful remedy. That every state has a natural right in cases within the compact to nullify of their own authority all assumptions of power by others within their limits. Unquote. The idea of nullification brought up there. Again, in the Kentucky Resolutions, on communication with the other states, quote, that with them alone it is proper to communicate, they alone being parties to the compact and solely authorized to judge in the last resort of the powers exercised under it, unquote. So both Madison and Jefferson recognized the need to communicate with the other states and, in fact, sent copies of these resolutions to the other states. So the state's response here on slide 7 at this point in time, there are now 15 states in the Union. None of the other 13 states responded favorably to these resolutions. No state has issued a resolution in support. And in fact, at least seven states we know of issued resolutions of condemnation. Delaware, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New York, Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Vermont. And in fact, Massachusetts offered a constitutional remedy in their resolution of condemnation and their constitutional remedy, Article 5. Here's a portion of their resolution. Quote, that the people in that solemn compact, which is declared to be the supreme law of the land, have not constituted the state legislatures the judges of the acts or measures of the federal government, but have confided to them the power of proposing such amendments of the Constitution or as shall appear to them necessary to the interest 
or conformable to the wishes of the people whom they represent, unquote. Another quote from this resolution from Massachusetts, quote, that by this construction of the Constitution, an amicable and dispassionate remedy is pointed out for any evil which experience may prove to exist, and the peace and prosperity of the United States may be, may be preserved without interruption, unquote. So, Massachusetts has given the thought of a a remedy, a remedy to the Alien and Sedition Acts, specifically at that point in time, through Article 5 and through the Convention. So just a year later, Madison's follow-up. He writes some resolutions in Virginia, and he's referencing specifically the responses to the Alien and Sedition Act, and he writes, quote, the legislatures of the states have a right also to originate amendments to the Constitution by a concurrence of two-thirds of the whole number in applications to Congress for the purpose, unquote. And another longer quote in the same document. It is no less certain that other means might have been employed, which are strictly within the limits of the Constitution. The legislatures of the states might have made a direct representation to Congress with a view to obtain a rescinding of the two offensive acts. Or they might have represented to their respective senators in Congress their wish that two-thirds thereof would propose an explanatory amendment to the Constitution. Or two-thirds of themselves, if such had been their option, might, by an application to Congress, have obtained a convention for the same object. Unquote. So Madison seems to have come to the agreement with Massachusetts, again, for this specific instance, with the Alien and Sedition Acts, that his resolution may have been the wrong approach, especially since no other states joined in, and in fact to communicate with the other states and to uh, bring consensus with them, the remedy brought about by Article 5 was the best option. Slide number 9 is an epilogue. The South Carolina nullification crisis uh, in the 1820s to 1830s, and South Carolina officials had, had claimed the power to nullify within state borders any federal legislation they believed violated the Constitutional Compact. And in this, they referenced Madison's own Virginia resolution in support of what they were doing. Well, Madison had an answer to this. He wrote, and we have referenced this before in uh, a previous podcast, a famous letter which is sometimes used by the opposition, a letter written to Edward Everett, quote, Should the provisions of the Constitution as here reviewed be found not to secure the government and rights of the states against usurpations and abuses on part of the United States, the final resort within the purview of the Constitution lies in an amendment of the Constitution according to a process applicable by, applicable by the states, unquote. So Madison, in that letter to Everett, had laid out, as he's done before, and we've seen in the Jay Treaty, even back in 1796, he's laid out the concept of the government, checks and balances. First, they are to resort to the separation of powers within the Constitution itself. Then the people have a remedy through elections in electing the officials, the Congress, and the executive branch, the president. But if those don't work, that final resort, he says final resort here, in the last, he said in the last place, when he spoke of, quote, that provident article in the Jay Treaty. So always, this is the last resort, the final resort, the final thing we can do before actual uh, rebellion. Thomas Jefferson, again, had, al had also learned from his more 
uh, blunt nullification approach in the Kentucky resolutions from June 27th of 1821, an endorsement of a man named John Taylor. We can read this, quote, but finally the peculiar happiness of our blessed system is that in differences of opinion between these different sets, and those states are the state and federal governments, these different sets of servants, the appeal is to neither but to their employers peaceably assembled by their representatives in convention. Unquote. And again, I give lots of attribution here. I cannot begin to mention enough Rob Nadelson's work on in the book Union and States' Rights, A History and Interpretation of Interposition, Nullification, and Secession, 150 Years After Sumter. That's a book that's edited by Neil Kogan. Uh, again, I have the attribution there on slide 10. A direct link to the Virginia Resolution, to the Kentucky Resolutions of 1798, a Kentucky Resolution of 1799. The counter-resolutions of the other states, those seven states, and you can look up the Massachusetts response in that link. The 1799 Virginia Resolutions uh, notes, that's a very long document. You have to scroll through and do some significant searching, but the notes can be found embedded in that document, 403 and 404, and that's Madison's writings that we quoted earlier. And then the letter to Edward Everett, and also the endorsement from Jefferson endorsing Taylor. In summary, then, we can see that Madison and Jefferson, but we've been focusing mainly on Madison, came to understand, again, as he had done before, even in 1796, that speech before the Jay Treaty, he came to understand and came to support and fully support and continually recommend the amending resolution, the convention amending resolution phrase in Article 5 in support of the states coming to consensus to counteract an overreach of the federal government. I hope this gives you a lot of information that you can use for op when opposition comes forward and says, Madison, look, look at these different things that Madison wrote. Look at what he said in that letter to George Turberville. We've gone through that process. Look at what he wrote in the Virginia Resolution. Well, we've, sent, we've seen the outcome. We've seen that Madison time and again comes back to Article 5, time and again comes back to the Constitution, the separation of powers, the power of the electorate to choose their representatives and their president, and then finally their last resort, their, that provident article, to use the amending provision for the states and giving the states the ultimate final authority over the overreaching Congress, overreaching president, and overturning any laws or uh, strengthening the Constitution where the language may need to be strengthened. And we certainly have some time this morning to go to the phone lines. A reminder that our call-in line is 914 205-5632. Please feel free to call in if you have any comments on the podcast today, the podcast of the last few weeks dealing with James Madison. Any questions you might have on Article 5 or specifically on the Convention of States project. Our ground rules to speak respectfully, to keep to the subject, to encourage dialogue so we pause and listen to each other. Um, the call-in number once again, 914 205 5632. Okay, I'm ready for calls. Nobody's up on the call board at the moment. Um, a preview for what may be coming in the next few weeks. I actually have a few ideas in mind. I don't have anything settled at the moment that may 
depend on some folks I speak with this week, and I know I have a, a busy week the next week with uh, a, a trip down to Austin to meet with our our uh, prime sponsor in the Texas State Legislature. We will be making our planning our strategy for the entire upcoming session, which in Texas does not happen until January of 2017. So we have, we have a lot of time, and it's actually during campaign season here, which we found to be a, a good way to get in contact with our legislators. They are much more amenable to meeting and speaking with you when they are running for office. They tend to listen to their constituents. So keep that in mind again, just a tip for those of you as campaign season rolls around in a lot of states, this is the time you can get out and meet your legislators uh, as they begin their campaigns, as they begin their filing process. So next week we may have something a bit different. I may have just a recap of what we've covered the last six sessions with James Madison. We may have something other than either of those two things. Have not decided yet, but uh, we'll speak with you again next week on the podcast of that Provident article. Once again, Madison Rising to take us out. And that's a wrap for this episode of That Provident Article. I'd like to thank Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band, for playing us out with the Star Spangled Banner. Be sure to visit their website at madisonrising.com and check them out on iTunes or Amazon Music. Also, thanks go out to Mark Meckler, founder and president of Citizens for Self-Governance, and Michael Ferris, head of the Convention of States Project. And more thanks to our state leadership team here in Texas. Don Glacy, our membership coordinator. Martin Harry, our legislative liaison. Tom Dowdy, our coalition's director. And Tamara Colbert, our state director. These patriots have put in thousands of hours of volunteer time for the cause of liberty, and I count it a great privilege to work with them. Can we are the brave. Yes, we are the brave. We'll fight you in vain. The name of the brave. We are the U.S.A.